Welcome back to the Hard Parking Podcast. This is your host, Jay Finning. I am by myself, as I should be, because we're doing this whole social distancing thing. I did recently upload a vehicle video called Review Your Car. So Johnny Valencia and Amy Shackelford. Johnny Valencia was the guest on their most recent podcast. I urge you to go back and listen to it if you're curious about what you need to do to prepare for corporate sponsorship for your podcast or whatever it is you're doing. Because Johnny used to be the guy on the other end of your proposals who would either look at it and laugh and throw it away or dive deeper into who you are as a person in the community before they decided to invest in you by giving you some of their product or meeting you halfway. So Johnny and Amy Shackelford started this review your car. So go to my Instagram at NA2NSX and watch my Instagram TV video of review your car. I wanted to talk about something Been thinking about this for a while. I think many of you should be able to relate to this. And by the way, if this is your first time listening to this show, because I'm a part of this new page called Promote Your Podcast on Facebook, I'm not a big fan of the page. It is like a sci-fi bar, a sci-fi nightclub, where it's just full of a bunch of weirdos and people who care nothing about. Their, so they're high. They're high and they're strung out on reviews, five-star reviews, trading review for review, trading sub for sub, and... Sub for Sub works great on YouTube because you got to get to a thousand subscribers as fast as you can before you make any money. Sub for Sub on a podcast doesn't really mean shit unless the person has automatic downloads on. If they're not automatically downloading your podcast, then it means nothing. You can have a thousand subscribers, but if nobody's listening to you, no money if you're in it for the money. doesn't mean anything. And if you want real feedback on if you're any good or if you're a steaming pile of shit, you want honest feedback. You want a five-star rating if you need a lot of help. You want a three- or four-star rating, but you want them to reach out to you and tell you what you could be doing better, what you could be doing different. I'm not a pro. You guys know that. But I've tried to reach out to some of the people. I can't promise I'm going to listen to anything and everything. And I'm not really big on trading fake-ass reviews. And if you're listening to this and you're part of that page, that means you're not one of those people. You're better than that because you want to get better. I want to get better. Everybody who normally listens to this podcast knows I want to get better. And guess what? I'm getting better. In fact, right now I'm sitting here talking for the first time in my new microphone, which is a lecture voice, RE20. Moving on up to the east side. This is a professional broadcast microphone, so I don't know if I really sound any different, but hopefully I do. If I don't, that means my editing sucks. I want to talk about the thumbs up emoji. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but what happens is when you have guests on, those conversations can last a long time, as they should. And so there's really not much time for me rambling about crazy shit like the thumbs up emoji or my new electric lawnmower that I just freaking love or the electric trimmer I bought for my yard for $15 on Facebook Marketplace because I'm so bored. I have nothing else to do but make my yard look nice. But let's start with the thumbs up emoji. In a little bit, although I'm not renting a car right now because I'm grounded, And by grounded, it means that nobody's allowed to travel for the type of work I do, healthcare IT. So I'm going to go back and talk about cars that I've rented in the past before I did a podcast. How about that? Lucky you. Thumbs up emoji. We've all been on the end, the receiving end, and we probably all sent a thumbs up to somebody. And I started to wonder, what does it even mean? Does it really mean, okay, cool? Or thanks for letting me know? Or all right, buddy, shut the fuck up? Or okay, whatever, you're cool? Or yeah, you're an idiot. Like, I have no idea. It's like context. It's like the word motherfucker. Remember Bernie Mac had on one of his, I want to say Kings of Comedy, 
the last five minutes, he talked about the word motherfucker. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go to YouTube and look it up. Bernie Mac, motherfucker. That is some funny ass shit. So basically the word motherfucker can be a person, place, noun, or a thing. I don't think it's an action. And I think the thumbs up emoji is the same thing. It can mean multiple things. So it's in context of how you see it, how you receive it. Everything is all about context. But every time I get it, I'm like, what does that mean? Like my friend, Peter Cunningham, professional race car driver, retired. He sends me a thumbs up emoji a lot. And that's when I started thinking like, is he like, okay, Jay, thanks. Or all right, cool. Shut the fuck up. Like, I just don't know. And so every time I send it, I'm kind of wondering, like, what are the people thinking? Are they thinking I'm telling them, like, hey, that's cool. Leave me alone. Or, all right, man, you got it. A-OK. Throw that thumb up. Not quite sure. But it's been bugging me for a while. So the plan is to be joined by an Instagram profile highlight of the week a little later on. And so I'll have to track the time to see if we can actually reach out to this person. And the plan is to have the Builder's Corner segment. And we're also going to do Q&A. I got a lot of excellent questions to answer my car questions and my non-car questions by people on Instagram. So that's slowly becoming my favorite segment. I want to talk about entitlement a little bit. I have a son who, for whatever reason, has always felt entitled. He's great, though. He's smart. Smarter than me, especially at that age. But I don't know if entitlement is something that you're born with or is kind of cultivated at a young age. So, for instance, if you're always getting everything you want because people want to make you happy, eventually you're just going to expect things. You've had to struggle a little bit because he's never had to struggle. Like nobody wants your, you. We don't want our kids to struggle. We could find other ways to teach them lessons without watching them struggle to a certain extent. Because if we struggled as kids growing up, we want our kids to have better than we did. Always. That should always be the goal. Find a way to teach them the same lesson. Find a way for them to learn the same lessons without diving off the deep end as much as you may have in your past. I'm saying this on behalf of a friend. Obviously not me because I've been an angel my entire life. But we had a disagreement at the house a couple weeks ago. My daughter moved out. She wanted the TV. A TV that we had taken off the wall downstairs because we had upgraded during Black Friday. This is an old like 50, 55 inch like 720p TV. So this is April 2020. I don't even think you can buy a TV like that anymore. It's not really worth anything. And it took us forever to hang it up on the loft because my thought was maybe we should just buy a better TV. We can get a better TV for a few hundred dollars. Apparently my son had asked for that TV a long time ago. And at that time we were planning on reusing the TV. Of course, you know, by the time my daughter asked for it, we're like, yeah, take it, get it out of here. And he found out And he wasn't happy. A little family argument happened. It wasn't nothing major. Like we don't fight over ridiculous stuff to the point where people are throwing stuff. But really at the end of the day, what it was is he had asked for it first, which to be fair to him, that makes sense. We forgot. I mean, it's been months. So by the time my daughter asked for it, we gave it to her and he was pissed and they started arguing. And I had said, look, why are, why are you mad? You can just go out and buy a TV. You can buy a far superior TV for a few hundred dollars. Surely you have that because he does. And, you know, he's upset. I get it a little bit. But part of him, like, I feel like he just expected to get it because we've given him a lot of things. Like my wife and I used to argue all the time because I would want to sell him stuff and she would want to just give him stuff. 
I said, you can't just keep giving people things because after a while they start to expect it. And my point in all this is because he's a sensible kid by kid. He's 24, but he's a very sensible. He's a smart, deep thinker, but he's hardwired the way he is. He can't help it. But I tell anybody never expect anything. I think I've gotten pretty decently far in life because I don't expect anything. I have a lot of great contacts. I network the hell out of everything. But I'm always incredibly grateful for when I do receive things. And sometimes I ask for things, but I don't expect them. Sometimes I'm afraid to ask because I don't want it to seem like that's all I'm interested in. Hey, can I get tickets for this? You have any passes for that? Hey, let me get this. Let me get that. Hey, let me go ahead and get that hookup. You got that hookup? Never inspect anything. Be grateful for what you get. Like I said earlier, in a little bit, I'm going to get to Jay's rental car of the week. It's going to be an older car that I rented a couple of years ago because pre-podcast. I mean, I've been renting cars every week since 2012 for the most part. So for one year, I spent the entire year in Chicago and I, there was no reason to rent a car. We worked downtown. We walked three blocks to work. Cost like 50 bucks a night for parking. It made absolutely zero sense. But anything else, get a rental car. It's not about driving a cool brand new car every week because I get whatever I'm asked to get. Usually it's like an intermediate car and then you could pick. Once you get status, you can pick what you want within reason. But I just like the idea and the feel of driving a new car every week. You get to kind of experiment with things. And there's times I grab cars that I really don't want. Like my rule, if you're new to this podcast... This will be news to you. If you're not new to this podcast, I'm sorry for the redundancy, but we got to bring people up to speed. My rule is typically no CarPlay, no J. If you don't know what CarPlay is, what it is, is it's built into a lot of stereo systems where you plug your phone up. So it's CarPlay is specific to Apple. You plug your iPhone up to your car and your radio, your infotainment center is basically a miniature mirrored version of your iPhone. You're missing a lot of apps, but all the apps you need are there. Waze, Google Maps, Apple Maps, text messaging, phone call. The core ones are there. So it's basically a hands-free. So my thing is no CarPlay, no J. So 90% of the cars I pick up have CarPlay. I mean, it's going to be really special for me to grab it without CarPlay. Like the BMW 540i that I had in 2019 in New Jersey. That car was sick. No CarPlay. I lived without it for a week. I lived. Whatever. So before I stopped traveling, again, because I'm locked down like everybody else because of COVID, I noticed something. And going back to entitlement and people who don't know how to act, and it's usually older people, not my son, but it's usually older people and the more affluent. It's astonishing to see them, you know, leak their confidence all over the place when shit doesn't go their way. And I see it a lot when I'm flying for travel. So for instance, like the airplane gets delayed and they're taking out all their frustrations on the employees at the airport, or even worse, the flight attendant, as if making your connection is somehow more important than everybody else on the plane. You know, recently I was on a flight, there was pushback from the gate that we're getting ready to take off, and then the guy next to me gets up to use the restroom. Now, I have a window seat, so I don't really see what's going on. It's like we're out on the tarmac. I think we're in line. All the lights are off. This is a night. So the plane was quiet. It was a mid to late evening flight out of Palm Springs. And all of a sudden, there's this loud crash, like, bam. And I assumed, based on what I was hearing, because I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> I do everything for the gram, right? So I kind of wanted to whip out my phone and start recording, but I don't want to be that person. So I didn't. 
So I just kind of sat in my seat. I didn't even lean over and look, but based on what I heard from a flight attendant, it sounds like maybe he got smacked in the forehead, like just weird timing. Like he was walking to the restroom and she opened up the cabin, the, the, the airplane cabinet or whatever we want to call it, the cubby. I don't know if he slipped or she smacked him in the head, but it was a loud crash. He hit the ground. Apparently there's blood everywhere. So everyone's like, oh my God, what happened? We had to go back to the gate. Obviously it makes 100% perfect sense, right? And the paramedics show up and they're kind of messing with the passenger. And, you know, of course we're going to be delayed because we're sitting there where they got to take care of this. They have to take care of this. This is just what it is. This is the situation. Nothing anybody can do about it. They're following protocol. We have an injured person bleeding out on the airplane. So we get back to the gate. And then some lady in the back starts complaining to the flight attendant. First off, she's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, hello, excuse me. Because the flight attendant was sitting up in first, standing up in first class telling stories about other passengers that had passed out or whatever the hell. And finally another guy's like, hey, hey, excuse me, this lady back here needs you. First off, if you've never flown before or if you fly all the time like I do, like every week when you're not grounded because of COVID, there's this little button right above you right next to the light switch and that air conditioner control thingy that never works right when you want it to called call attendant. So when you hit that little button, the attendant comes no matter what they're doing, they're, they're programmed as if it was under hypnosis to react to that sound. So the flight attendant goes back to the lady and the lady starts complaining to the flight attendant about how she's got to hurry up and get to Phoenix. She's going to miss her connecting flight. As if she's more important than anybody else. As if the flight attendant could do anything about it. It's like, understand where you're at and who you're talking to. So the flight attendant walks off. She comes back. Check this out. She comes back with a quote unquote customer service specialist to hear the rest of this woman's complaining. They walk off and then the rest of the passengers start bickering with each other. Some guy gets up and he says, hey, everybody just calm down. It's a rough situation. Blah, 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 blah. And so all the passengers start arguing back and forth. I'm sitting up near the front like, okay, these people. But it all has to do with entitlement. You guys got to check yourselves. Check yourselves when you're out there. Think about the optics. If you're with your kids, how dumb do you look in front of your kids? If you're with your family, how dumb do you look in front of your family? Understand that sometimes it just is what it is. And that's it. You can just sit there and ride it out. Or you can get mad and complain to somebody who can't do anything for you. And their job is already stressful because of people just like you all day, tenfold. Coming up, we're going to have the Instagram profile highlight of the week. We're going to have the Q&A segment and we're going to have the Builder's Corner. All right, it's time for the Instagram profile highlight of the week. The Instagram profile highlight of the week is sponsored by NSX Channel on Instagram. That's at NSX Channel on Instagram, your number one channel for all the best NSX content, whether it's old or new or my car, or not my car. also want to thank them for re-upping on their sponsorship for the podcast. That means we're doing something good. This week's Instagram profile highlight of the week is Cars. Cars and Cosplay on Instagram. We call him Cars. He has a real name. Cars, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making yourself available. So your Cars and Cosplay, you've been doing that Mm -hmm. page for a little bit. What is your motivation behind that page? And kind of tell the listeners kind of what it's about and why it's different. Sure. Uh, well, it started out as kind of as a thing of indecisiveness. I'd go to car shows, go to conventions, and I started getting into photography. And when I was getting into photography, I was like, okay, I got to focus on something so that I could develop my skill and not get all over the place and never really grow. 
So I had to make a choice between cars or cosplay, or so I perceived at the time. Then one day I just figured, why not both? And I asked, hey, can I shoot with your car? I have this cosplay model. And it was that easy. And since then on, it just took off. People liked it. And it was just this interesting new niche. So cosplay model, I assume that you bring these, you you find them because of your interest in cosplay, maybe anime. And which is bigger to you, the the cosplay portion or the car portion? Man, that's something I fight back with a lot. But I'm going to honestly say cars or something about cars. I've just always been drawn to and it calms me down. It's like my go-to. So I would say the bigger of the two is cars. I haven't seen a lot of those type of accounts on Instagram. I think it's kind of cool and refreshing to see a model dressed a certain way, like a video game or a movie or a comic book or an anime, and then a car as just kind of the prop. And you do a really good job of kind of combining the model, the color car, and the background, where does that motivation or where does that skill come from? And what motivates you to keep doing it like that in that format? Uh, it's kind of tricky. I know part of it is from the fact that a lot of these characters and anime and games and things like that, uh, a lot of them have cars somewhere in there. And if you're not really looking for them, you don't notice. But there's times like if you watch something, like, oh, that person's driving a Porsche 911. Oh, that's a Pagani C12 Zonda. And you start like noticing like there's actually a lot of integration between the two. So... I kind of draw partially from that. And then a lot of times when I shoot with the car guys, it turns out they're secretly nerds or something. And then they know about it too. And so it just turns into a, well, let's just have fun. There's no, I don't think about it too much as like rules. Like this character has to pose this style with this car. I'm just like, what looks good? What is aesthetically pleasing? And that's kind of how it comes together is it just works, which sounds like a cop out, but I just let it work. I think for a lot of us, just in general, whether you're into cars or not, we all have kind of like a secret little nerdism Mm -hmm. and geekism in the closet, just looking for an excuse to come out. For sure. Like I think like Star Wars, right? So I've always wanted a Stormtrooper outfit. I couldn't justify having it, but I wanted like a legit one because it's just always been, there's just something about it that's just always been like super badass. And when you look at stuff like you do, Mm -hmm. and again, we're talking to cars of cars and cosplay, that's cars underscore and underscore cosplay on Instagram talking about taking photos of cars with models. Yep. So what's, what would you say has been your, and this isn't a trick question. Well, actually I don't even qualify for <laughs> this, but what would you say has been your favorite shoot so far? And what are some areas you'd like to improve on? And what's one thing that you think separates you from other photographers out there and other cars slash cosplay photographers out there? There's not a lot, but there's, there's some. Let's see. So favorite shoot, I would say aesthetically was the Porsche 911 it was the 993 model and with Faye Valentine of Cowboy Bebop I feel like that's I think that was my second shoot with my new camera and like the difference in quality from what I was shooting before and how that shoot came together was like really motivating to me because I felt like wow this is actually coming together great and the colors the character the car really worked well together the scenery worked well so everything was coming together and that was like a moment where I actually was like proud of what I'd done which is something that doesn't happen too often so I would say that's my favorite shoot thus far. Uh, what separates me, I think, part of it is I try to look for abstract shapes and like concepts. So I, like a lot of photographers, you look at their pages, you see like the three-quarter shot of the car and a model posing in a traditional pose or portrait up close. And So I try to stay away from those and I try to integrate the scene as a whole rather than as like separate parts. 
So I think that's a lot of where my ideas and composition comes from is looking at it as a whole instead of just like, oh, here's a model, here's a car. It's here's a scene. So that's where the, I think separates me because it creates different compositions and I don't think so much on the reality. What do you think motivates you to get better day in, day in and day out? What motivates me a lot is I feel like there's always progress. You could always do better. And I actually struggle a lot with self-confidence on my shots. Like I'll look at my shots and be like, wow, this is awful. What was I thinking when I did this? But fortunately, I've had a lot of really good support saying, no, this is great. You're doing great. And so a lot of the motivation comes from support from the people around me. And then I shoot with a lot of badass cars. And anime is awesome. So if you're a nerd and you like cars, I mean, my page is the way to go. I got both. And again, we're talking to Mr. Cars. I'm going to have to call you Mr. Cars. We're talking to Mr. Cars of Cars and Cosplay on Instagram. What is your ideal shoot? Like, I think every photographer, especially if you're a, a niche photographer like you are, yeah, there's, that, you know, that not everybody's doing what you do. You know, what is your ultimate fantasy shoot? Fantasy shoot. This is, this is an explicit. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, we don't need to talk hentai or anything, <laughs> but you can. I mean, that's an option. I do do lewd shoots here and there. But uh, no, my ideal shoot wouldn't be a lewd one. It would be with a character in a car. The scene I'm not too sure about, but I want to shoot with a Lamborghini Miura and the character of Violet Evergarden. So it's just flowing beauty about both. I really want just this subtle, soft, beautiful, uplifting vibe. And those two, I feel like, complement each other really well because of that. And for the listeners and even myself, you know, who is Violet Evergarden? What she's from? Uh, she's on a Netflix series. If you feel like grabbing a box of tissues and burning through it and tearing up, definitely look up Violet Evergarden on Netflix. It's exquisitely well done beautiful scenery beautiful cinematics super touching story what is it about well it's sort of a parallel universe type world there's a world war type thing going on and there's these uh some sort of employee but they're meant to deliver letters between like the wars and people to express like feelings and emotions and then even when the war calms down they're still carry on so they're like hey here's what i'm feeling i don't know how to write it to this person and then they have to express that emotion on behalf of someone else. Say person A and person B. It's not like messengers between warring commanders or anything. Got it. So Violet Evergard and a Lamborghini Mira, your ultimate shoot. Yep. All right. I want to thank you for joining the Hard Parking Podcast. People, if you want to follow and you should follow, that's why he's on here. You can follow cars underscore and underscore cosplay on Instagram. Do you have any other ways for them to reach you? Uh, I'm working on a website now, but it's not published just yet. So for now, the Instagram's the primary way to go. All right. Well, I really do appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Stay safe. Stay COVID free. We'll try to. <laughs> Take care. Bye. It's time for the Builder's Corner. Builder's Corner is sponsored by DressUpBolts.com. Follow them at DressUpBolts on Instagram and visit them at DressUpBolts.com. Literally. They have titanium bolts that not only vastly improve the look of your vehicle, but serve as a purpose as well. Available to dress the engine and engine bay. They have kits ready to go for your specific application. Maybe even our guest today. Go and pay them a visit. Use code HARDPARKING, one word, and save 10% today. Today, our Builder's Corner guest is Alan, BlackSheepS30 on Instagram, all one word. Alan, what's going on? What's going on, Jay? Thanks for having me. Of course, thanks for being available. What are we going to learn today? Today, we're going to learn from some of my greatest mistakes from choosing to restore a 44-year-old Japanese car. And don't mind you, this will apply to cars above and beyond Japanese cars. I've made this same mistake with 
a couple of American cars and a couple of Euros. Um, the car I'm currently working on restoring right now is a 1976 Datsun 280Z. And I had the ludicrous idea to throw a Toyota 1JZ and an R154 in it. So that's the five-speed trans out of the Mark III Supra. And, uh, you know, the idea of 400 horsepower in a 2,500 sub-pound car just sounded really appealing to me at some point. I don't know if it was a death wish or an adrenaline rush, but we're doing it. <laughs> that sounds, uh, honestly, um, that sounds appealing to a lot of people. So don't be so hard on yourself. No. So what have you encountered lately that you'd like to kind of uh, let the people know? What's like one of the lessons learned? Lessons learned. If you're going to take your car in for paint, say you're doing a classic car and you have the ability to take the engine out, take the time to degrease, to strip down and remove everything you can. The more stuff that you can remove for the paint and body shop, the less of a chance you have of them breaking it. And for those of us with cars of a given vintage or cars of a given rarity. And I know that you can appreciate this with you know, NSXs and me with 40-year-old, 40 40-plus-year-old 40 uh, Japanese cars and international pickups. You can't buy a lot of these parts anymore. And right. the big thing is, is you don't want a body shop who may accidentally break it. And you know what? They could be the most competent shop in the world and accidents happen. Um, you want to be able to put that on yourself and take the time to do it that then takes risk completely off them. Additionally, it can also help you save a little bit of money um, if you're having them do the work. You're taking demo time off of, off of their plates. The other thing I would very, very highly recommend is taking the time to save and bag all of your nuts and bolts. Label it. I can't emphasize enough how important this is. One of the things I discovered is... Apparently, back in the 60s and 70s, um, and possibly later on, um, Japan actually used a different set of screwdrivers than America. I, I yes. didn't know this. GIS. GIS <laughs> Phillips. Well, I tell you, you know, if you uh, strip out enough of them, <laughs> good luck replacing them. <laughs> I literally just learned about that lesson a week ago. Somebody on the NSX page had posted about the GIS spec and they're like these perfect they don't even have like like the standard u.s ones have like a little curve on the inside of them to where it's like a rounded corner and those gis ones are perfectly squared there's like they're like 90 degrees yeah it's it's the craziest thing and everything is everything takes those those uh, screwdrivers so if you have the chance pick up a set um or if you have a, a car of another from another continent in general please do your homework on that. But as far as bagging things goes, bag them up because there are a lot of times where you'll have screws that are of a specific size that you can't find new or bolts, nuts, washers, etc. Invest in Ziploc bags and Sharpies. So that's what we're learning. We're invest in Ziploc bags and Sharpies. What else do you have for us? If you have the opportunity, the more stripped down a car, a car you can get, the better. Um, I brought mine in because I didn't have a a rotisserie, which there is a cheap way to do a rotisserie. I learned What's this a rotisserie? What's a rotisserie? If you can take the suspension out, you've got the engine and trans out, you've got the interior out. A rotisserie, what it allows you to do is you mount shell on the rotisserie and you can actually spin it to access all parts of the body. You can pick one up from the insert auto parts store here for around a grand. But if you don't want to spend that, I've heard of people making them homemade um, using two engine stands. 
So I'm looking at a rotisseries right now on Google, and it is exactly what it is. Like when I think of rotisserie, I think of chicken, like Kenny Rogers roasters or something. I haven't eaten dinner tonight. You're killing me. Rest (laughs) in peace, Kenny. Yeah, but yeah, it's exactly what as I imagine. You just like a like a spigot, sort of like you know, you put a big ass pig on there, or I guess a a car. Yeah, and I tell you, it is one of the most useful tools you can you, you can have. But I realize that not all of us have the space for that. And not all of us have the available funds for that. Um, for me, it was a case of both. So I'm now paying for it in different ways. Uh, so I got my car back from from paint and body work. Uh, shameless plug, Broken Toys Auto Body. You guys are awesome. Jason, you're wonderful. Um, <laughs> Jason, make sure you let them know so they can listen to this. Otherwise, they're never going to hear it. 100%. I'm going to point them in the right direction. Now, in regard to what I learned... <laughs> Uh, most cars have an underbody coating on them from the factory. It's uh, more common on more modern cars. Uh, older cars, 60s, 70s, 80s, this was a dealership option. And if you had a car that lived in uh, northern states. Right, that's for weather protection. I remember that. Right. I mean, yeah. they even did it in the 90s when I bought my uh, my GSR. Yeah. So my, my Datsun was originally sold out of California. And it was sold to a professor uh, who taught up at NAU. And because of this, he opted for the weather protection package. Give you a coating in the engine bay and give you a coating underneath the car. Now, in hindsight, I would have stripped the car down further, taken the fenders off, and I would have stripped off every bit of that undercoating on a rotisserie. So it sounds like you may have encountered some issues. So you didn't take it all off. And yeah. Is it is it at the paint body shop and are now are they having to do it or the concern is they're just gonna spray paint over it? No, the, so so with what I was doing with the car, I knew that I wanted a nice okay, I wanted a nice Sunday driver that I could just beat on. And for me, I knew I was gonna end up putting an undercoating on it, you know, moving forward, something to reflect heat, something to reflect um sound, rocks, that sort of thing. Um for those of you who have been around classic Japanese cars, the metal is exactly half as thin as it is on anything else. I mean, they make Coke cans out of Dotsons. That's not an exaggeration. So it rusts really quick. And I didn't want to even have a painted underside because I knew that it would get, you know, messed up. Jack stands, jacks. Right. And, you know, with Dotsons, they, because the metal's so thin, they don't, the heat passes through. They don't keep heat out. They don't keep the cold in. Because the current issue that I have is the car's painted, sitting in the girlfriend's garage, and I'm now having to con her into coming out into the garage with me. Um, we picked up some nylon brushes that go on the end of buffers that you'd normally use for paint correction. Well, these nylon brushes will strip through and burn through paint, and they'll uh, they'll burn right through that goopy old under undercoating on the car too. So now we're sitting there with the suspension out just absolutely going to town on it you know keeping paint nice because the whole purpose of what we're doing here is we're taking the entire underside of that car down to bare metal but then awesome. after that we're got we've uh we've we've gone and picked up a kit that's an undercoating kit for heat and sound and we're going to apply it to the bottom and we'll be we'll be uh ready to rock and roll the only other part that kind of makes it a little more complicated is just we got to mask off all that nice new paint so we've learned Make sure you keep a tight inventory on your nuts and bolts and screws and everything in between. Get a rotisserie or use two engine stands and then also pick up a rotisserie chicken because there's not going to be any time for to make dinner. So your local place can pick it up for $5. It's delicious, falls off the bone, right? And yeah. 
pick up a couple cheap ass orbitals. I suppose the easiest way to to summarize kind of what I'm saying is before you go and undertake something big like paint and body work, especially if you're doing a uh, full on restoration like what I'm doing, planning is 95% of it. The other 5% of it is you sitting there in a chair waiting for it to come back from a body shop. All right. Well, we want to thank Alan for joining us. Black Sheep S30. You have anything you want to tell anybody or that's where they can kind of come and find you on your Instagram? Yeah. If you guys have any questions about uh, the, the car, the build, the process, you know, headaches, heartaches, high points, low points, feel free to reach out to me. I'm uh, more than happy to talk to anybody about stuff that I've learned. Um, Jay, thank you for having me. Time for the Q&A segment sponsored by new sponsor, Last Era Brand Motorsports Clothing. Celebrate and represent the last era of great cars. We're talking the 80s, the 90s, whatever you think is truly the last era. So like the 80s and 90s. Follow them on my Instagram at Last Era Brand, which is one word, or go shopping at LastEraBrand.com. Tell them the hard parking podcast sent you. Jumping to some car questions. The first question comes from Vajazzo McDildertets. Can you tell modern McLarens apart? I chuckled when I read this question because honestly, I really can't. I think they all look good. I can tell you what a Senna looks like, usually. And sometimes when I see a P1, I'm like, is that a P1? And you have to see the back of it because it's got a distinct taillight. But, you know, the 720, well, I can tell the 720, I, I guess I can. You know, for a second there, like the 6 something, like the 650 LT or the the 570. I mean, obviously, I don't know my McLarens because they all look incredibly similar and they all look really good and you didn't ask this question but i really like the 720s another car question comes from possum killer mk6 that's possum killer dot mk6 i've read his questions a few times what is the weirdest application of a zip tie on any car you've ever owned this is an interesting one i can tell you the weirdest the strangest use of a zip tie was actually a very resourceful use so you guys have heard Charles and Matt on the podcast of NSX Rack Repair. They answered some Q&A segment questions a couple of podcasts ago, and we did a full end-to-end interview. They have another one coming up, by the way. But I had to take off the steering rack. So the electronic power steering, electronic-assisted power steering rack on the NSX. So what I did is I don't have access to a lift in my garage. I do have access to a lift, but once you take out something like that, you're not moving the car until you get it back. Put the car on jack stands, got underneath the car, and you loosen up this thing, and it's like... I don't know how much it weighs, like 30, 35, 40 pounds, it seems like, and it falls on your chest and it hurts. Eventually, when you get it back, you have to hang it back up. So what I did is I went to the to Home Depot and bought the longest zip ties I could find. I connected them together and I used those to hold up the sides of the steering rack because you have to kind of shimmy it in place, which is incredibly difficult to do while you're on your back with almost no room between you and the bottom of the car and you got this heavy thing on your chest. So... The strangest use of zip ties was using them to kind of hold it up as if I had another set of hands. And as I fasten one thing, one, one side up, I kind of scoochie shimmy it over and fasten the other side up and cut the zip ties off. Chrissy underscore TLS asks, what's your favorite car of all time? And to be fair, Manistee 18 asked a similar car, what's your favorite car? To me, those are two different questions. What's your favorite car versus your favorite car of all time? Semantics, right? Semantics. The favorite car of all time is a McLaren F1, followed very closely by a Vector W2 slash W8. That's it. You'd think I would say the Acura NSX. It was definitely my most attainable dream car, and I fully enjoyed owning it. 
But if money were no option, like if I just had a few money and I can go out and buy something, whatever I wanted, because the problem with cars like the McLaren and the Vector, doesn't matter how much money you have, somebody's got to be willing to sell it. And yeah, everything has a price, but you know, within reason, right? Let's move on to the non-car questions. NSX Extra, Chris Cutt, you've heard me mention him before. He's been on the episode before. What's your all-time favorite Japanese whiskey? So when you're talking whiskeys, you're talking hundreds. I, I don't think thousands, but many, 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 many hundreds. When you're talking Japanese whiskey, you're probably talking 30 or 40 different ones out there at least. And I don't know. I've only been into the hard liquor like that on a collector level a couple of years. My favorite is, I think, Yamazaki. I've only had Yamazaki 12, but it was delicious. And it is delicious. It's just, it can be hard to find. I have three bottles, but it can still be hard to find. That is probably my favorite. Let's see if I have another one on here. ABSCYY asks, do you own any rifles or go shooting? Actually, you don't. I don't own a gun. I do have a rifle. It's not a real rifle. It's like a, I don't know what the term of it is. So I'm just going to call it a dummy rifle. It's from the military. It's this big orange heavy thing. It weighs exactly the same as, I think it's an M16, whatever the military gun is that you can't buy. And it was given to me by a dear friend of mine. He gives me a lot of cool army shit. Jaren594 asks, current Netflix binge, Ozark. Doing the Ozark thing. There's a few other things I want to watch. Doing the Ozark thing. And finally, Brian727 asks, what is your most prized memorabilia collector item? That's a tough one, Brian, because I have a lot of weird things. And, but I do have one thing that has no price tag. Actually, I have two things. But this thing is I have a prototype new NSX center console. And it was given to me by a friend on social media who knew that I love the NSX. And so his job is to test automotive parts, test them for spills to see how they would react under different strenuous environments. And he had a few of them because once they get done testing, they just throw them all away. So he kept a few and I have one and it's a prototype. Like the, the production car does not have it the same way. I think that's really cool. I look at it in my little memorabilia chest every once in a while. I was like, man, that's super fucking cool. So Mr. Head, you know who you are. Won't say your name. Don't want to incriminate you. But that is probably my most prized memorabilia. I can't call it a collector item because it didn't exist as a collection release. And that wraps up the Q&A segment sponsored by The Last Era Brand. When we come back, we'll do Jay's Rental Car of the Week. I know I said I didn't have a rental car, but I do have a car that I had rented in the past that I want to talk about before we wrap up this episode of the Hard Parking Podcast. It's time for Jay's Rental Car of the Week. And guess what? Jay's Rental Car of the Week finally has a sponsor. Higher quality detail out of Tempe, Arizona. Specializing in premium vehicle protection solutions and cosmetic customizations as your one-stop shop. Ranging from basic detailer options through ceramic coating, paint correction, protection films, and more. Visit Ceramic Pro Arizona, one word, on Instagram or www.higherqualitydetail, also one word, dot com, without the one word, or www.higherqualitydetail.com online and get started looking your best today. Actually, I have the Ceramic Pro Gold Package from Higher Quality Detail, shouldn't you? Today I'm going to talk about 2018 Camaro 2SS. Some of you have heard me talk about this car before in the past. I was fortunate enough to rent this car several times. And I didn't necessarily 
say, I want the fast car. What it is, is sometimes when you rent vehicles, the people working there, they just don't care. They don't care. They mail it in. And so when you have a large place like Dallas, Fort Worth, the people who go and get the cars, I don't know what they're called. Porters, maybe transporters, porters. I guess that's where porters comes from. People who get the cars, they just park the cars wherever. So the two SSs, when they're paying attention, they're over in the lot where you have to pay extra money for it, regardless of your status. Because what I do for work, for some of you that are new to the show, is healthcare IT. So I travel back and forth when I have a contract to a client site and rent a vehicle. And I pick the vehicle class that I'm allowed to rent. So it's like an intermediate car, except for you can pick whatever you want, as long as it's not the top of the top of the top. Every once in a while, they slip up and they park something really nice and fast. So for a few weeks, not in a row, they would accidentally park a Camaro 2SS. Man, that car is awesome. You get in it, you turn it on, and it howls, and you're like, oh, this is cool. Because when you have a regular one, first off, you can't see shit. You can barely see out the front. The ergonomics of the interior are terrible. You get carpal tunnel just adjusting the side mirrors. It is in a very awkwardly inconvenient spot. You cramp up trying to plug the USB in for your Apple CarPlay, you know, like I love so much. None of that matters when you're in a Camaro 2SS. It's got the mood lighting. You can change the colors. always went with like red. And you can kick it in and out of sport mode. It doesn't matter. But when you get on it, that feel, 455 horsepower, it's a little heavier car, but the 455 horsepower, it just howls. And it's like, man, there's nothing like that V8 muscle. Now, I know I have a turbo V6 that's fast as shit. But sometimes, man, some of those V8 cars. But to contrast, when you have a Challenger, that drone is annoying. But for some reason, the Camaro 2SS, it was just awesome. So you get on it. It handles really well. It's a dangerous car. It's got the nice little heads-up display. So you're flying up the fast lane at the speed limit, of course. What I like to do is I like to slow down just a little bit when there's no traffic and just step on the gas and just go in a straight line. And the noise that car makes and just watching that, it, it, it accelerates so fast that the digital readout of the miles per hour is behind, like it lags. So when you let off of the gas, it's still going up. It's still counting. It's still counting because it's trying to catch up. It's definitely a car I look forward to renting. And I actually thought, man, this would be kind of a cool, normal, everyday car to have next to the NSX. But I already can't see out of my car as it is. But I would seriously consider driving or I, I would seriously consider owning one of these. And this was just before the front got like really weird and stupid looking because people hated the 2019. But for the 2018, that's a badass car. And that's my rental car of the week. Taking a look back as I'm stuck at home, just like everybody else. On the next episode, we'll be meeting with Billy Johnson, Billy Johnson Racing. Check him out. Be prepared. Have some questions. I'll get you answers. Please follow, rate, subscribe on your favorite podcast outlet. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Special thanks to all the guests. Want to thank Alan on the Builder's Corner segment. Also want to thank Cars and Cosplay for coming on for the Instagram profile highlight of the week. Want to thank our new sponsors, The Last Era Brand, Higher Quality Detail, as well as our existing sponsors, Dressablebolts.com, NSX Channel, and of course, Top Mobile. You can email me at heartbreakingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at, at NA2NSX or at J underscore travels. That's J H A E underscore travels. Follow us on Facebook at Hardparking Media and Twitter at Hardparking Pod. This podcast is hosted by Anchor FM, but is available on Apple Pod Center, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and many more. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Stay safe. 
stay COVID free, wash your hands. Just wanted to thank my sponsors one more time. TalkMobileNet.com, NSX Channel, Dress Up Bolt's last era brand hire, quality detail.